Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Jordan Smith. And I'm Ben Smith. And you're listening to Yes Chef. This is the podcast where we go in search of our favourite chefs. Across some of London's top restaurants and top kitchens. Where we sit down and we find out what makes them tick. If you like food, you like chefs, you love this. Bon app. Hello, Yes Chef listeners. You're in for a treat today. Jordan, how are you doing? Oh, mate, this is going to be... Is it, of all the podcasts we've done... This one was... This is the hardest. I couldn't get a word in edgeways. Well, let's tell them who we're talking to first. So we got Andy Oliver. Andy Oliver of Andy's. But it's, she's different to the other people we've got on the show when you think about it. Because True. all the other guys um, and, and, and ladies are full-time head chefs or restaurateurs. She is, but she does so much more. She's got the stories. And tell you what, she's got the laughs as well. And she schooled you, boy. She absolutely schooled me. She turned around to me, listeners, and she literally said, shut up. <laughs> And I was like, okay. And we just sat there, me and Ben, like, you know what I mean? With our, with our bibs and crayons. We were just, we, we were a bit, I felt like um, she was just like, shut up, kid. But um, it was dead nice. I've known her for years, off and on. I used to drink in a pub. Um, when I first started doing street food, I went down to her house and she um, she told me, she gave me some tips. So I've always had her close to my heart. Absolutely. Well, what an intro. Let's dive on in there. Tuck up, tuck in. Let's begin. This is us. We're, we're, we're here. How oh, did you find the place then? Because this used to be Fox Reformed. This was the Fox right? Reformed, yeah. and after that, it was the Fox and Pie. Because I had a pie here, and then, and then out of nowhere, oh. I was like, they just do pies. I was yeah, shocked just because pies. as a northerner. <sighs> yeah, go on, talk to me. Should <laughs> um, we, so we just say where we are first? Because this is absolutely stunning. This is our first outdoor are we, podcast. Are we, are we started? Yeah. yeah. yeah oh, we're hello. Just, yeah, we're, we're just in. speaking. No, start. no, it's absolutely Podcast vibes, isn't it? Just press play. We're in the back of Andy's. We've... Andy Oliver and it's it's what it's basically thank god it wasn't yesterday because yesterday was pissing it down oh my god it it really was wasn't it it was beautiful uh this garden is kind of like my jewel in my I love it out here so much it's like people come out here and they're like oh my god it's not like being in London you know like walled beautiful it's like quite kind of Frenchy attack everybody there's like people say it's like Greece it's like Italy it's like France it's like LA I hope it's not like LA (laughs) let's let's all hate pray that it's never like LA out here but um it's just uh my friend designed the whole restaurant and she's really really clever woman called um Debs Armstrong you've been to Glastonbury I'm sure 
gentlemen. And you know the Southwest, you know all Heaven and Hell yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Shangri-La. Yeah. That all comes out of Debs's head. She's a really, really clever woman. She's an installation artist. She's one of my best mates and she's really, really clever. So she designed the whole restaurant and then she we came out here. So you see all this brown painted yeah, doors. Yeah, yeah. That's what the whole place used to look like just with like really rubbish remember, old... And you used to have corks in the door. Yeah. Like all the old corks. Yeah. And you felt a bit like, I'm too young bit, here to yeah, get yeah. going here. Not actually like being wheeled in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And... Um, and there were like old church pews and stuff out here. And she came out and she went, can I just chuck it all out? I was like, yes, you can. Chucked it all out. And then we got our friend Teddy Baden, who's another he's a painter. He paints beautiful dogs and does amazing stuff. He did all the floor by hand, painted all the time. Yeah. And then she, you know, put loads of fairy lights and strung up and bought, added more plants. So we've got grapes. That's quality. They're actual grapes, and like they come right bit. up. I like into this there. bit. It's like your first yeah. holiday in Spain, <laughs> where you pull the thing up, and you're like, exactly. amazing. You can sit out here and have a fag even when it's raining. So <laughs> I, and I and it's also got about 200 meters of fairy lights out here, or something ridiculous. So when you at night time, it's twinkly, so which the, I love. So the summer's been good for that side of things. Summer's been good for that side of things always. It's just beautiful being able to sit out here. So basically. Um, I was up last night till 2am watching you on telly. And you're on telly hell of a lot, aren't you? This, I'm this on month telly a too? lot. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I'm even bored of seeing... <laughs> like, daytime, oh you got God. daytime covered. Uh, every what am day I doing on daytime? Well, you got Great British Menu. Oh, yes, yes. Well, it's, so, it's just fr- so it's Friday's judges, Friday, isn't it? so I'm on every Friday at the moment. Uh, and I've been doing a bit of Saturday Kitchen as yeah. well. I'm on again in a couple of weeks. And then, the, what you're alluding to just, is eight go rallying the road to Saigon. I was going no. on it. I was I texted him last this. night dead late going, I'll tell you what, I'm getting a car like this. Because, I mean, Seriously. just before we get into it, ex- obviously we'll explain what it is. Shall I tell people what it is? And then I want to know how it came about, as in who? how did you just go, oh, I fancy that. Well, we can't can even not? drive, can she? No, no, she, put, she felt her test. Right, so let me just backtrack quickly. So uh, the BBC asked a bunch of people to go on a rally car drive, on the endurance rally whatever it's called endurance car rally that's what it's called <laughs> across uh asia across southeast asia so we went across thailand cambodia and vietnam it's nearly four thousand kilometers and we did it in 12 days in a bunch of really old cars ours being the oldest car which was a 1959 morris minor called uh called uh well we call her fire go fire <laughs> we call her fire but the team is called bop gear that was it <laughs> I, I, was, I was like yeah because I, I knew as soon as you got you were like top gear as yeah, if yeah, they're gonna like, give me no, that one no, no we're called we're called bop gear and um and uh it was one of the most extraordinary things i've ever done in my life actually and i would never have done it i've never said to my daughter hey what are we doing next week fancy you know it just wouldn't have occurred to me and i would never go on anything called endurance anything because i'm not very endurancey scary word you know like I mean? to start, it's a scary it? word to start with and you know it's called that for a reason honestly i've never been so proud of completing something in my life. Do you know what I mean? I really was like, wow. I go on. Go on. No, I, well, I lived. You can see I yeah, lived. No, I'm no. here. Seeing I was well, here. But it was tough, man. It was really, really tough. And like, so, so you know when you go on the plane and your feet swell up? Yeah, yeah, You ever yeah. seen that happen? You and you get the happen. socks, special yeah, socks. you get the special socks. So that happens a little bit, not, not massive. It just goes up a little bit, down, next day it's gone. Because of the car rally, so if the car had no uh, power steering, obviously, and no air con because it's from 1959. So, and on, and so it's 38 degrees outside the car. Inside the car was 44 degrees because they had to have a heat, a blow heater on 
underneath the seat the whole time to keep the engine cool. I was like, what about me? I saw, you had, I saw you had like a, um, like a, it was like a Starbucks cup full of ice. Seriously, resting on, on the back of I was my like, neck. Well, that's talent. Because then- that's, that's, that's more talented than... Like, one, how the hell? Because I... I, we struggle in England because we oh, think we live in a big country in our whatever. head. We do not. We do not. It's I, tiny. Go to, I go from Cumbria down yeah. here in a 1.1, right? Yeah. And I'm, and I'm coming out thinking, oh, that's endurance. <laughs> yeah. All, yeah, yeah. All four hours stuck at Birmingham. Think, I think the but most we drove one day was about 13 hours or something like that. But you were a trooper because I, I we, you, were just, trooper. you kept just doing that. So we keep wake up. Wake up. <laughs> she's meant to do this. You're like this. I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then she's falling asleep having a morning. She's I was falling like, asleep because it's the, you know when you're in a car race, you just not nodding out. And so I kept, I let her have a nap, which because otherwise she'd have just been awake and moaning. It's the rest of the team did not let the co-pilot no. have, have a nap. No, but but that's because the rest of the team didn't give birth to their co-pilot. Yeah, good point. You know what I mean? I think I think that does skew it somewhat. So I was a bit more forgiving, and also it's just like go to sleep for half an hour and then wake up and be entertaining. Yeah. You're my <laughs> what was what was harder, the driving or spending yeah. twelve days with Noel Edmonds? Because <laughs> I was just like, I just because I love I love the guy I do, but then I just thought okay. he's just nuts. You don't love the he, guy, you love his wife. Well, oh, his uh, wife's she's beautiful. amazing, and she's really Liz, she's, she's amazing. really beautiful, and she can fix a car, and she's real like hardcore. Chick. There's five blokes around the car. Let me explain. She was just like, shut up. And, then, and basically, the fan belt's gone in this old, amazing MG, and all these guys, the Vietnamese oh, guys, come like, out twittering about, and, and then she fiddling. just comes in. Bang, gets a piece of wood, bangs it. And 12, she's like, 10 minutes. And Noel's like that, oh God, because he's gutted, yeah, isn't yeah, he? Because yeah, he really wants it. to fix it. He, listen, I, I, it was a bit touch and go with me and Noel at times. I have to, I will be brutally honest about that. But you know what, in the end, made me fall err on the side of, all right, I like you lots, is how he loves his wife. Absolutely Their relationship is one of the sweetest things I've ever seen in my life. And it makes you... He's got a bit of an ego. We've all got a bit of an ego. Whatever. Do you know what I mean? And he and I are both quite opinionated. So there were a couple of times we'd be like, hmm. And like, you know, it was whatever. Um, and then he's just so sweet with her and tender with her. And he loves her so much. And, you know, we all got really close because actually surviving that rally was possibly one of the biggest things any of us, any of us had ever done. And, and we've all done quite a lot. <laughs> you know, it's not like a bunch of, you know, kids who've never done anything. Most of us on that rally had done quite a lot, endured quite a lot, survived, you know, Martin, Martin um, Kemp has survived cancer and so has Noel and brain tumours and all sorts of things that rally was still harder than anything we'd all just been through so much so this is a food podcast but obviously we're we're talking about rallying but I couldn't couldn't know I'm a fan now we had some great food there actually we had some amazing food not as much as I'd have liked because there was a lot of driving but there was a you know in Asia like roadside food it's not Little Chef is it (laughs) you know what I mean I mean we had this in Thailand actually we stopped by the side of the road and had this thing that they call dry noodle, which sounds awful. Yeah, it which does. Is one of the best things I've ever had. Piles of beautiful egg noodles, roast duck, loads of greens, kind of Thai black pudding. And then Oof. they had this broth, like the most intense duck broth. Like it must have been like a sort of 48 hour, like it? a Just really like a deep ramen. Yeah, no, they had a whole cafe on the side of the road. And then they had poached eggs. So it's, and I love a poached egg on top, you know, a self-sourcing egg. You love an egg. Everyone's yeah, got to yeah, love yeah. an egg on top of stuff. So you, you, so you build your own plate and you get, and you put an egg on top and then you get the duck broth and you pour that around it and then you get all these fresh herbs to drop into it. Mm. And so then you open up you the up egg. for a good 10 hour drive after That was well. pretty magnif. Have you tried making that at home? Um, I have made it since I got back and actually I've got a birthday party here next week and that's what they're having. 
Having... See, that's good though. If you'd have yeah. watched that and then come and say, you'd be like, yeah. listen, this I'm getting the old yeah, package proper, here. This proper. is very proper. But I mean, that's what, that's the kind of food that I find exciting. Do you know what I mean? Like stuff that has got, you know, the, the way that tasted, that was beyond anything you learn at any school. And the way it was delivered was beyond anything you ever learned at any school. I have real respect for people who go through culinary school and, and, and then work their way up and work their way through things. It's not what I did. I, I'm possibly quite lacking in lots of areas in those things. Well, I am because I'm self-taught and I've never been trained in any way whatsoever. So all the things that I do are because I love it and because I'm obsessed, basically. So for me, the, the people that I learned, learned from and still learn from and learn the most from are people that I can engage with, you know what I mean? And the guy that was cooking those noodles took me in the back of the kitchen and I just had the best time in there you know and then there was a little lady making coconut pancakes around the oh. back oh it, my god it's experienced something new as well I think if yeah. you've never if you've never had that yeah and it's like almost like a mirage it's like oh my god what's yeah. this and you see it and then it's like for the first time it's like I haven't been, I haven't been to Asia yet mm. and I really really want to mm. go and a lot of our friends who've been just all the time is the food yeah the food's incredible and it's about you know there are many ways to be brilliant in the kitchen it's not, there isn't just one way to be brilliant in the kitchen. And I think one of the things that's happened in this country, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm on Great British Menu. I'm not knocking any incredibly accomplished chefs who train really hard and work incredible. You know, they, to get to where, to that level yeah. and that point, it takes blood, sweat and tears. And I take my hat off to all of them for being able and to put that kind of hours, of, hours, of, hours <laughs> and hours of time in days and days and days and years and years and years. But there are other ways also to be brilliant in the kitchen that take the same heart and the same skill uh, that is acquired through different means. And I think it's really important that we don't value one above another. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm as excited to go to Tom Brown's restaurant, to go to Cornerstone, as I am to find that man making those duck noodles on the side of the road and Tom would probably say the same thing to you actually do you know what I mean it's like the the, the love of cooking and what's brilliant about food goes beyond training it, it's about human engagement because people can have all that training and be really really great so still don't want to eat their food and also they've got shy as well the fact that they're doing it and you, you get to yeah. interact with them yeah you get to see the lady making the coconut yeah, yeah, um, yeah, pancakes yeah. you get to see that I'm and it's hungry. part of their, li- it's part of, it's, just, I know me too. It's part of life and it's part of, it's part of surviving. It's how I think, you know, it's, it, to me, it's how we make neighborhoods survive. You know, we were talking before we started recording. You know, I think it's really important and it's incumbent on people, up, upon people like me who are opening places like this to make spaces that everybody can come to, that everybody can afford something out, that everybody wants to, everybody is welcoming because one of the things that happens with gentrification or, you know, inevitable change whatever we want to call it is that people become polarized and we don't want to become america now do we we don't want little pockets of people living here because they're italian or because they're greek or because they're african or caribbean or whatever or because they're rich or because they're poor you you know one of the things that's brilliant about our city and brilliant about this country is the way that those that those barriers have never really been the thing that drove us or the thing that united us or the thing that um helped us be absolutely magnificent you know i i love this country I really, really do. And the more I travel, the more I realise what's special about being from here and all the things that are brilliant. You know, it's not, it's not perfect. There's loads wrong, obviously. But the things that are great are great and we need to nurture them and hold on to them. And I think food is a really brilliant, simple way to bring people together. It's breaking bread. Breaking bread is the, is the basis of human communication. Like, you know, there's food and there's music, the drum and bread. These are the two basic things that everybody starts with and started with. And so that's why the music we play here is really important to me. The food 
food that we have is really important, but humanity is just as important and how you bring those things together and how you share them with your customers or guests or whatever you want to call them is, is, is key. Well, let, let's find out where it all started. Um, and we, we always start with this kind of um, start. We've been chatting about 45 minutes now. <laughs> I like it. It's brilliant. It's good for me. It's good to go. It's nice to listen. Let's let's take it right back. And um, we want to find out what your first food memory is. My first food memory. I mean, so you say that and all these things sort of leap into my head straight away. So I guess the first time I got excited about food was when I, I lived in Cyprus when I was a kid and when I was about six. We went to live in Cyprus for a few years because my dad was in the RAF. And uh, there were two things that I always really remember about Cyprus. And, and they are food drinks. We used to, also, we never used to go out to eat before we went to Cyprus. People didn't really go out to eat. Only rich people went out to it's eat. It's a big in, treat, in, wasn't it? In the old days, people never went out to eat. There weren't loads of like lovely little places to get us something delicious. It was like, forget about it. I didn't even know what a calf was. Anyway, but I'll talk about that in a while. So <laughs> I didn't know what a calf was. So we went to Cyprus and my, we went to, we went to Trudos or so. We went, we went down to, no, it wasn't Trudos because that wasn't, we went down to the beach, maybe Larnaca, down to the beach. And, um, I saw the fishermen taking octopus out of the sea and then bashing them on the rocks, basically, and cleaning the octopus and then taking it to the restaurant. And I was absolutely fascinated by this. I was like, do you eat that? How does that work? That's mental. Is that where it comes from? You know, like, you know, as a kid, you realise that pork is actually the pig. And, you know, you've sort of put all those things together. I hadn't really worked that out before then, I don't think, or thought about it. Yeah. And I was like, can I have it, (laughs) please? I I want that. So we went to this restaurant and I had, um, like, char-grilled octopus. And I loved it. And I'm absolutely fascinated. It looks great as well. It's like, it's very, for a kid, it must be, like, so fascinating to see all the technicals. You know, and the fishermen. And it didn't freak me out, even slightly slightly to see them bashing it you know killing it basically and cleaning it I was just fascinated by it and then and I remember the taste of that char on the octopus and the sort of smell of the lemon and seeing it on the plate and just being really excited by the whole sort of 360 I never know how many degrees there are in a <laughs> 8,300 like a hot dog van. Right, okay. But it was Lucania, like those Greek amazing sausages that they would put on the grill and then they would melt halloumi into oh. it and it would be wrapped in this like, you know, Greek flatbread thing. And so we'd be like, do you want to pick up your mum? Yes, please. <laughs> so much, we yeah. could go and have those sausages. And then the third thing I remember from there is my friend Elena, who was a little um, uh, Cypriot girl that I used to hang out with and her mum used to make cheese, halloumi, in her tights. So there was a, oh, there was man. a, there was in their back garden was a washing line and there was loads of her mum's tights with great big balls of halloumi hanging in it. And I was like, oh my God, that's the cheese. It's <laughs> like working out that warm, was the cheese. Warm tights. Well, well I, I didn't go into it. No, I was going to say. I'm sure they were clean. I bet they were. I don't think it was a whole gusset situation. No. You can, you can <laughs> oh, calm no. down right now. I remember the first time, the first time a lady told me that that bit in the tight was called a gusset. I was like, yeah, it's it a word, freaked it? me out it's more a, than the squid. It's a word. It's a word, it? Terrifying. I, I like to whiff it out. Just oh, to say if it you to say people. it, it's yeah. like 
Jesus Christ. Just once more, gutted. Oh, no. <laughs> um, it's a funny one, really. So, because, like, from being where I'm from, like, Halloumi and things like Halloumi and, like, all yes. of that, when I was growing up, I just didn't see them. I can't, mm. I can't, they weren't part of my youth until I no. came to London. And you actually see, you know, like you're saying mm. about different, you know, cultures, cultures and, and yeah. minorities and that coming in. <laughs> Seeing Halloumi for the first time and going, oh my god! Well, how come I? Yeah. How come I'm not allowed that? And then when yeah. I go home now and I've got like five younger brothers, yeah. What the difference is what they've had mm. compared well, to course. what me? I'm just like, of course. I mean, oh, England, man. England, Britain has opened up completely. It's an entirely different food culinary landscape than the one that I grew up. And I'm way older than you, so you can imagine what it was like in the 70s. You know, black and white Britain. It was before they turned the lights on. Nothing, nothing happened. It was corrugated iron and, and, and it was all very, very grey. And, um, food was awful. You couldn't even get things that were cold. You know, if you, even in the, even in like the late 70s, early 80s, you go into a shop and get, try to get a cold beer. There was a fridge, but they didn't keep things cold. It was just like a cupboard. Just like a cupboard. It was just like a warm cupboard. You couldn't get proper sandwiches. My friend, Nana, Cherry, who, from New York, when she came, came here because she'd been living in New York she was like what is what is this shit basically she was like she ordered a chicken salad in Mike's Caf off um off Portobello Road right and you know in America you get chicken salad and it's all like chopped up and there's a whole bunch of stuff going they gave a bit of old cold really tasteless cardboard roast chicken a tomato and a bit of weird lettuce she was like what what is that where's the rest and faggots and gravy that freaked her out when she saw that yeah so you know uh, it's like that we have come on leaps and bounds in a very short space of time really 20 years in this country may as well have been 200 years in terms of the culinary landscape i would say don't you think it's Mm. just extraordinary Mm. what you can and it's not just cities as well i think it's it's all over the country yeah everywhere you go now everything yeah it's because people were able to travel cheap travel and people came back and they wanted to have those things replicated they wanted to be able to have those tastes and they demanded it so Mm. supply and demand and people started giving it to them and it's fantastic i love it i'm really excited by that you know um so take us back a bit when we're talking right. about your first food memories so in greece food memories, cyprus. So, and sorry in cyprus mm-hmm. sorry so when you were um over here so yeah. you were that six before six, that so you... came, yeah so before that i mean you know it was just like mum and dad's normal cooking really nothing nothing really leaps at me do you who, know what i mean was that the was the first of, my dad was the more flamboyant cook my mother was the more every day make something really good that tastes great cook but you know, when he cooked, every single pan in the house was used. Everyone's been saying make... that about the dads. Oh, he was really like that. He was just such. My dad was a bit of a dick. Let me just clear that up straight away. <laughs> He's a bit of a dick. So he'd be, you know, dicking about for a couple of weeks. Then he'd decide he was making Sunday dinner. Although making Sunday dinner with my dad are like my happy memories of being with my dad. And I learned to make cauliflower cheese when I was really, really. That was the first thing I learned to cook properly was cauliflower cheese, and I made it every single Sunday. Stand, you know, from standing on a stool all the way that up. Was your trade, that man. was my thing. I said, get on the collie, dear. So I would get the cauliflower cheese done and learnt to make a bechamel sauce really early, knew how to cook rice. I got sent out of my class at school because the woman's... You know how English people used to cook rice where they would boil it like pasta and then strain it and then run more water on it i mean i'd never start and then put butter on it and put it in the oven and she she was it was this was in our you know cooking class home economics and i was like what are you doing she's like i'm making worse i was like that's not how you make rice woman <laughs> Wait, have you, have you lost you. your mind she, you. she put me out they put me out in the hallway they got light being told Maybe what to do but she was i was like no 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 that's not what you do because i you know i when i got to school i could read i could cook rice i could 
you know, my mum gave me basic skills. And you got detention for it. Yeah, yeah, and I got detention for it because I just got in trouble for it. And I was just like, my mum was like, just don't talk to her. Just let her get on with it. Just pretend. Just, just smile. Just don't tell just me. Just don't tell him about the cauliflower cheese. God, for God's sake, don't tell him about the vegetable sauces. So the, so the roast was the kind of trademark, the, the kind of roast the was the, there. Roast was the family. And again, it's food and music. You know, Sam Cooke, great tunes. So Sunday music was stuff. massive in the house then? Always, yeah. My dad was a dick, but he had an amazing record collection. Constant, you see. I, Which I my brother it. sold. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Did he? Oh, bit by bit, yeah. My dad was a DJ. Got he had it's like a Northern Soul DJ, oh, and he moved back in the day when you left school at fifteen. Moved over to um, you know factory radio late sixty yeah. seven. So basically, ten factories that all the English people had oh, gone really? over. He DJed for all of them, and then came back one day, and someone had robbed his house and oh, took, but took nothing God. but it's all, all his, his records. records. So my, my my granddad just went, "Get back here and get a real frigging job." And That's he had to come back, so and he was straight out. They did insurance. That's <laughs> it was really, gutted. Oh my God, that stuff so bad for him. Like this you know, much later, that's I, awful. I spoke to him this morning in my and he said to me, "Because I've got big news." He said, "I'm hanging, I'm hanging it up. I'm not. I've been DJing for forty years. His last gigs on fifteenth of September. Oh my God, he's gutted. I bet it's not." No, but he said, but I'm doing two weddings next year. So and I said, well, you're not well, quitting, are you? Absolute nonsense. <laughs> he just, I think he's trying to say big news. I don't even know him, and I can tell he's lying. <laughs> I've never even I'm met gonna, the man. I'm going to ring him later. It's the first that. I've heard of him, but I knew he was lying. He goes, he goes, can't do the hours. Can't do the hours anymore. <laughs> he's, a, he's a concierge but by day, so yeah. then he takes the hat off. It just all wears the waistcoat. Yeah, and just gets up. out. So, you're in a band. Yes. I was, yes. big things. So... Can we, can we go back to the band thing? I'll get away from the food yeah. for five minutes. Sure. Was, I, I didn't know this. Because mm. I've known you for a few years through, mm. through friends and through mm-hmm. an ex-girlfriend and stuff. I never knew you in a band. I knew you were mm. good at cooking. Mm-hmm. So what's the crack there then? Well, you, uh, <laughs> it just, again, it just, uh, lots of things in my life just kind of happened. Do you know what I mean? So I came down to London because my brother had had a car crash and he had joined this band. Uh, the, do you know who the pop group are? So the pop, yeah, you do. Yeah, he does. The pop group were a legendary band from Bristol, really. Kieran's formed, got the thumbs up. Well, they formed the basis of kind of Bristol trip hop and all of that stuff. Mark Stewart, kind of pioneer, amazing man. So it was Mark and Gareth and um, Bruce and stuff. They pop group broke up. So Gareth and Bruce and Mark Springer then formed a new band called Rip Rig and Panic. They found my brother busking in uh, Leicester Square Tube Station. They were playing at the Empire Leicester Square, I think it used to be called, something like that. Anyway, he was busking. They were on their way to their sound check and they went oh my god you're amazing and took him with them and he opened for them and then he joined their band and Gee, then look well yeah it's and amazing. also he was brilliant and, yeah, was, was, yeah. Yeah. but lucky you know absolutely and then about two three months later i came down to london they'd had a car he'd had a car crash i came down to see him and uh i went into the hospital room and nana was reading to him and me and her this is how long ago it was we went out into the hallway and had a fag Okay, I don't even smoke, but you know, social fag. You know, you could have a like number six. Always. <laughs> no that is insane. Went into the hallway, had a fag, came back in, we said, oh, we're going to sing together. And they were like, whatever. And then about a month later, I joined the band and we went on the road. And that's how I started singing. And just, and just how long have you been doing that for, like? Oh, years. I was singing for years. I loved it. It was brilliant and, and was sort of second nature and always cooking all the time. Nana and I cooked together all the time. We used to cook for the band, we used to cook for parties. It was kind of part of our. Kind of just social vocabulary, really, right. because we both came 
from that as a culturally, you know, her dad's African, my family Caribbean, her mother's Swedish, and she was an amazing cook, Nana's mother, a real, and a real, it, 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 she turned it into an art form. She was an extraordinary woman, mostly cherry. So you're looking cherry. forward to going around for tea? Oh, oh, like big time. She's the one who taught me, she taught me how to cure a fish, at like undergrad, like burying whole salmon in the, you wrap it up, like put all the herbs oh, and stuff, yes. and you wrap it all up, wrap it in paper, and then you bury it, and then go back the next day and it's cured. That's how she used to make grave locks. Oh, so, beautiful. you know, so, and she was amazing. We did, we did a dinner with her once on the rooftop in New York for King Sonny Ade, who's like a, a, a an African superstar. And he had all, he had about 12 wives with him. And we made him, <laughs> all of his wives, King Sonny Ade, on the top of, they used to have this huge loft in Long Island City. And uh, we made, we made a goat, oh, like on a spit. Goat, yeah. a goat, and we made bright blue rice. <laughs> I was like, why is it blue? She went, why not? <laughs> so that was so, that was the best tour, because tour food's not like this normal, no, is it? No, 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 and Nana always said she just wishes she was like, you know, living in a two up, two down. It's like really embarrassing, you know, because, you know. Um, anyway, Moki used to take like a little, uh, like, not, you know, what those little camping. They're doing the little, little yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she would cook like weird hippie brown rice food for them and stuff when she was, when they were out on the road because otherwise they, you know, they, there wasn't food there that they wanted to eat particularly. Egg and crest so sandwiches. So people used to, and you know who also used to do it? Solomon Burke used to do that. Solomon Burke used to take a little cooker out on the road with him and make do smothered pork chops. I mean, you've seen the size of Solomon Burke. <laughs> enormous right, okay. he used to you know who I mean Solomon Burke I don't Cry know. to me oh he's brilliant Solomon right, okay. Burke find a Solomon Burke tune hit, hit him up with some Solomon I feel bad because she keeps bringing all these things oh, I know normally quite oh a lot. you're I just a baby, a baby darling don't baby. you worry anyway Solomon Burke is a, a god a god an absolutely extraordinary thing but he used to make smothered pork chops on the road and mashed potatoes for them because he was like, you know, we gotta eat, man. <laughs> so anyway, so food, music, the, these things to me are completely intertwined. And, um, so I, st- I was in a band, did loads of different stuff, ripping a pant, then I did loads of stuff on my own. And then I started broadcasting. I got, my brother died really, really suddenly and I stopped doing everything completely. And then I, to get myself out of the, sort of cycle of the depression really I started volunteering at this place in West London that was called the London Lighthouse and it was an HIV AIDS hospice it was an amazing place remember that place it was brilliant incredible organization and it was it saved my life completely because when you're in that the problem with depression is that it's really hard to 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 remove yourself from your own cycle of thoughts that's the one of the things that i found most difficult about it so it was really excellent and really effective to go and look, help somebody else so I'd, I'd started volunteering i used to go there twice a week and there were people who were dying and in having a much you know facing much bigger challenges than i was and that gave me perspective and sort of helped me to start Help the blood start moving around my body and my brain again. It was really amazing. And then I met this woman there who just said to me, Oh, so we're doing, 
Uh, we're looking for broadcasters. Um, I think you'd be really good. You want to come and do a show at GLR, which was Great Learning Radio. It was the BBC Radio. And I started doing a nighttime show there. And I did about four or five nighttime was maybe six and then fee glover who was doing the afternoon show was sort of leaving and i started covering for fee and then they gave me the afternoon show and i did that for about three and a half years and i sort of stopped doing music because it was really time consuming because i was on five days a week three and a half hours live five days a week for about three and a half years um i've just completely got off thing cauliflower cheese i love it Bring I love it, it because Bring I just it think we go for conversations. Bring it back, on. DJ. We'll uncome again, right? Master. You're talking about cauliflower cheese. <laughs> oh, and, yes, I was. And you were talking about how you learned to make that. Yeah. So what was your relationship like with food growing up? Did you like everything? You must have done with the octopus. Yes. So like, can I eat that straight Yes, away? I've never been p- picky, particularly. I mean, I there are a couple of things I don't eat, mainly because they make I'm a bit allergic to tomatoes make my mouth really itch pineapple really but i still use them and i still cook with them because i still know when that's what's needed if that's the sweetness or acidity or whatever that if that's the thing i'll still use it but it's not, i don't particularly i don't sit about eating it myself so um my relationship i think my, you know so my, we were la- what they used to call latchkey kids you know so my mum worked she was a teacher my dad was also at work or out shagging other women you know so you didn't have much spare time and so you know we used to make our own dinner our own tea sort of thing which was brilliant really because I loved that independence I loved coming home I loved having my own key but you know they used to latch kick was a sort of pejorative term but actually I loved it and I was really proud of my that my mum was a teacher and was doing this thing that was important, you know, and that we were able to look after ourselves for those few hours every day. And um, so we would come home, she would have maybe started a pie or um, she would have done a bit of made a pasta sauce and we had to make the pasta for it or she would have started responsibilities yeah yeah responsibilities but but also it got me into just cooking every day and learning how to feed us and learning how to feed ourselves and my brother did did as well and i think that's a really important life skill for young people it's giving you a head start absolutely and and, so you taught makita that kind of stuff as well yeah but she definitely in the last few years has only really got interested she wasn't interested her rebellion was not being into food was just not being into food and also being more uptight than me do you know what i mean that was her rebellion she's really like you know makita's got color-coded t-shirts and stuff i'm just like whatever chucking it yeah so she's really like you're so disorganized that she's basically like my headmistress daughter that's kind of how it works it works on the telly you notice that as well because you're like the and she's kind of keeping you she's really like all of that i i i I, she says you say uptight i say organized (laughs) (laughs) it's a fine line it depends on on how you want to look at it i think color coding your t-shirts is a bit weird that's crazy yeah yeah anyway so uh so but in the last few years she suddenly got really into it and she's got really good really quickly so i think by osmosis loads of that stuff has gone in anyway she makes like amazing dolls and fish curries and beautiful sauces and incredible well she's probably ate really well her whole life then she's eating really well her whole life because i've been feeding her You've worn her down. You've won. You've won. You've won. <laughs> Me and Nana and, you know, so all our aunties and stuff and Alison, our other really great friend, we all cook loads of amazing food all the time. It's always a big, it's a big thing in our family, in our extended family, our big gatherings at the centre of which is food and music and Definitely, drinks. definitely seems that way. So that interest has always been there from, yeah. from you know, the mm-hmm. first time you can kind of remember anything. Yeah, and I think 
I think for me, when I realised, it was like I realised the power of what an amazing, you know, putting food on the table is. You and can that make fascinated me. Yeah. So easy. Like I had a dinner party, my first dinner party, I was like 12 and I made a roast chicken and I had somebody had given me a book. Might have been my Marguerite Patton book. I was really into Marguerite Patton. I had a roast chicken and it had, um, stuffed jacket potato skins. So, and, and it was like, you know, what, ja- waiting for these jacket potatoes to cook just took forever. And I was like, oh my God, they're going to be here and it's not ready. But I did it and I got all the filling out and I mashed it down and I put like chives and stuff in it or parsley, I think it was, and cheese, put it back in, put it in the oven. And it kind of looked a bit like the picture. And wow. I was like, oh my God. And it was really exciting and you it made 12? them happy. I was 12, 12 and I made this thing. But, um, you were slid your lunchbox, pal. Oh, don't worry. I did, so I, I discovered cider after that. Yeah, and, yeah. and it all went downhill. We all did. Frosted Jack. <laughs> it was knocking at my it door. Went, it all went really downhill quite rapidly. But uh, I just remember that feeling of having a couple of mates there making this food and them loving it. And it just being this happy time all us together. And they were like, and, and, and I think being able to do that was something I just wanted to replicate again and again and again and again. And, and so we've always, it's just always been central to me. And was it quite nice? I've said it to a couple of people, it's like, mm. I always find for me, from I think if you excited music and acting, that kind of thing, but when I went into food, it was just something like a bit of a pat on the back. It's nice when you cook yeah. people and people go, they love well it. done, George. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's that nice yeah. feeling of going, you can't sing, you can't act, but you can bake a pie. <laughs> but, but that Jackie <laughs> Potato scheme was bloody lovely. And do I, I do, I mean? you know, I do like people telling me I'm good. Yeah, me too. It's this pathetic. Is it's pathetic. No, but it's well true. done. You know, I like people being pleased with me. I think it's it's that sort of I think that, the does. child in me. But exactly. you know, it's still me. like even here when I come out and the big the, the, the big table will be here and they go, oh, that was amazing. And they're all beaming. I'm like, oh, I did yeah, a good shut thing. Up. So do you do that? Because I do that. I, I yeah. try and go out. Not oh, I talk thing, to everyone. I try and go and talk to everyone. Because yeah. I think to myself. Well, they've just come and spent their bloody money. Yeah. If I can't go and say, how was it? And you obviously, if someone looks well pissed off, you don't go to their tip. <laughs> you, you I do, actually. And I will go and talk to them and find out what's wrong, if there's something wrong. It's not because, the service I was Because I think, I think that also no one is infallible and you will make mistakes sometimes. Yeah. Things will go happen. It's it, wrong. It's about what you do about those mistakes that makes the difference. Because, you know, if I go out and somebody burns an omelette or gives me something wet or whatever, and you go, sorry, it's a little bit. And if they get shitty... I then bad. think, what is your problem? They go, oh my God, I'm so sorry you made a mistake. Can I replace it for you or whatever? And then you're cool if you're not a dick, obviously. But the paths that you've got doesn't seem like you've done it the way that, you know, on paper, you no. know, like you're saying with the training and stuff like that, no. which, you know, which I think is brilliant because I didn't train. And no. I think, you know, you, you make your own way in, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So what did you have like a first proper job in a kitchen? Would you say? No. Would you, you just went... I I really honestly I I'm I'm a little bit amazed <laughs> what's happened to be honest with you because I didn't have a first job in the kitchen I just started doing Nana and I did a cooking show a few years That's ago on when BBC I first Two saw you. right so we did that show and everybody loved it apart from the man that was going to recommission it who didn't recommission it because he said and this is quite interesting actually he said that he'd never seen dinner parties that looked like our dinner parties and I thought oh bless you you're boring. I didn't know. I didn't know. And, and when it, it was just a sort of dude from a very different lifestyle. So for him, all our, we had like a barn dance and we had this thing when Eagle Eye and Nana's brother came and we yeah, cooked the whole band. But also these were things that happened in our life. That's why we loved doing the show. Each episode so was, was something. He thought it was all, I was like, no, this is Didn't how we, this is just it, yeah. our life, basically. He couldn't understand it. So. 
after that, I started doing a few little pop-ups and I loved doing it. And we used to, Garfield, my boyfriend, used to have a place on um, Curtin Road called Cordy House, which was a sort of massive art warehouse, five floors of warehouse. You, you know, obviously you couldn't do it now. It's quite a long time ago, but we had, you know, hundreds of different artists lived there. We used to do shows and art shows and fashion shows. And, and I started doing pop-ups at Cordy and we did a few all over London, actually, and they went really, really well called Movable Feast. We absolutely loved it. And, uh, and, and it's just sort of step by step kind of just Wrong. it just kind of happened from there really it's kind of organic though isn't it because it's yeah. like you kind of I guess my first proper job in a, was was the Jack, Jack Doran right. Star. So that was Sugar Shack. That was Sugar Shack, and that was a company that I had. I my friend Kelly Miles, my business partner. So that's who's got Andy's as well. With yes, you, right? yes, yeah, she's yeah. my business partner, and um, and so we we started Sugar Shack because it was the world, not this World Cup, the one before, I suppose. And we did a pop up uh, over at Hackney Wick, and we started Sugar Shack with somebody built us a wooden smoker, so we were cold smoking lamb and shoulders of lamb and pork with all these amazing rubs that I came up with and then we made these amazing syrups to go with them like a red chilli one and a oh, green chilli one and a, and, a, and a sort of gold one and then we made these like big flatbreads with um, like kind of avocado and then these yogurty dressings and then the lovely meat and fresh salads and very we were just doing those. yeah we were doing chicken wings and all sorts of great things so we were, we were doing that and then Rob I kept going past that Jack Doran star and I really wanted it that pub, I was like, I want it. And then one day it changed the name because it was just called the Jackdaw. And instead it was called the Jackdaw and Star. Star Bastard. Yeah. Bastard. Rob's got it. So I just called him and I said, who's, who's doing your kitchen? He was like, I don't know yet. There's some fancy chef wanted it. And I just went down there and talked him into submission. Good luck. <laughs> I just went, talked and talked and talked and talked. And then I left and I rang him up and talked some more. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> and he went, I don't really know how to say no to you, so you can have it. And it's the best the way. I think it, it's, I always say like... It's like, give it to me. I care most because I'm still talking to you. Just give it to me. So he gave it to us and we did really well there and everything. And then it was just time to leave. And, and How long did uh, you do it for? Was it a year? Two, couple of years. Yeah, two years. Was, yeah. And then I got a call out of the blue saying, uh, well, first I got a call saying that I want to do Saturday Kitchen and I went and did a Saturday Kitchen. So how, how does that come from doing these pop-ups? I don't know. Just people who, I mean, obviously you've done TV. I think it's because I've done other off. stuff well and I know a lot of people in the city because yeah. I've done a lot of different things in the city over the years. So I guess the people that we had coming through the doors were people who were taking notice of things, were and taking notice of things. Well, so it's very kind of, that kind of... It was, but when we got there, Homerton wasn't quite as Homerton as it is now, sort of Thing, do you know what I mean? But people were travelling quite far to come across yeah, yeah. and come, in, especially our Sunday. You know, you're talking about your yeah. roast. We did a magnificent roast in there, and we did that amazing oxtail burger. Did you ever have our burger? We did a bra- uh, Guinness braised oxtail burger, Beautiful. and you had gravy on the side in which to dunk the burger. I'm go. bringing it back. I think that burger that was major, major that level. Gorgeous. Gravy on everything. Gravy on everything. It's the only way forward. Anyway, so we did really well there with the food. Um, did a Saturday kitchen and then I got a call from a producer that I worked with and I did a show years ago called Food Glorious Food when ITV tried to do a sort of food thing and I was a guest judge on that one week and I got a call from one of the producers uh, saying can you come and have lunch with us because we think we'd like you to be a guest judge on Great British Menu so and she said the executive producers come and I thought that's a bit much it's quite a lot just to ask me to be a guest judge but whatever were you actually excited nervous what was it no not at all I just, just thought it was a little gig do you know what I mean yeah yeah so I went and I met them and uh, and they went, well, Prue Leith is leaving. I was like, oh, To do bacon, right. Yeah, No, no, not to do bacon. She was just leaving. And uh, do you want it? 
And I was like, what? Pardon? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Say that again. Did you, did you just offer me Prulee's job? That's amazing. And uh, so I said, well, yeah, probably. I think, yeah. I think so. How um, do you celebrate? That's well, always how I was. When well, you get then, big there news, was, there was how would you celebrate? Pro, there was a bit of process. Then I had to go and have a couple of dinners with BBC people and stuff. And then I got it. And I was just absolutely gobsmacked that I'd got it and then really excited about it. So your whole life so far is just food, 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 food. Food, food, music, food, food, music, 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 food, food. And boys, boys. Yeah, you were all boys, 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 Cider, cider. Jim, <laughs> Jim. So you're cooking. You mentioned that little dinner party you had when you yeah. were you were 12 years yeah. old with the jack of potatoes. Yeah. But where did you really find that you had confidence in your own cooking? Um... You mean to 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 give to to, to for other, other people to yeah. pay money for it, really? Because that that is a, that is a step. That is a step from being in your own kitchen and making your family and friends happy. So the first place I cooked for other people and they paid me money, and I realised that I could do that, was a <laughs> a place called the Globe, which was in Paris Square. Uh, just off Portobello Road. You've been there, have you? It's also where I met my boyfriend. I used to live on Powys Terrace and the Globe was basically a dodgy little speakeasy at the end of my road. And that's not an exaggeration. It had two little floors, had a little slot in the door. Like, let me in, let me in. Oh, and, and it had pool tables upstairs and a downstairs bar. And the man that ran it, there was Roy and Dana, his brother, and they'd both been um, film extras. So loads of pictures of um, Roy was in uh, some James Bond film. There's That's a, well done. You know the one in the Caribbean, <laughs> the James Bond film in the Caribbean, whatever, the dude on that, the kind of big baddie black dude on that was Roy from the Globe and um, basically they used to run this amazing speakeasy and different groups of people ran it at different times and we were one of the groups of people that ran it at one point and then we took you know different literally loads of nutters in Port Bella Road you you just used to let have parties there and just run it as a bar bar is loose is a very loose term there was alcohol there and there were people and there was music a tiny little dj booth it was tiny it was a death trap there was no like exits or anything that would get away with it but it's the best place ever i loved the globe and it just went on all night you know till six seven in the morning what was on the menu so then so then and then i started cooking because it was a big old kitchen i was like we need to be selling food in here so i started making my honey baked chicken i made rice and peas great big salads i do curried pumpkin for like the veggie people and bake some stuff it was kind of that simple and about and then my cousin used to come and my cousin jerry used to help me we'd go and go down port bella road get the chicken in the shopping trolley push it up the road do it all at my house and take it over to the globe get it all cooked off in the big range cooker five star health and, and safety yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> health and safety be down on literally piles. one of your sat on top of the yeah yeah, you know. yeah you know seriously piles of chicken and we'd, and then we'd open up the shutters to the kitchen at about one in the morning and all the mash head people were coming up going, oh my Starving. God, chicken, chicken. And then literally like rice with chicken. And for dessert, I used to do them uh, bananas fried in butter with rum oh, and crazy. set fire to it and then put whipped cream on the top. <laughs> literally, <laughs> people would be like, where's the kitchen opening? Where's the kitchen? And like the best honey baked chicken gravy ever. Like, so basically, it's a name. Sauce. So basically, it's reputation over years, essentially. Yeah, isn't it? You've, yes, kind of, you've done this so. thing, you've done that thing, but every yeah. time you do it, you've always, because when you've I first met you, someone was like, when I, Gemma said to me, go and speak to, because she was like, yeah. she knows and she's been doing it. Yeah. And when I came in, I was terrified because I was like, oh Christ. <laughs> I came in, like, it was like half eight in the morning or something. I, can't remember, I walked in, I was just like, and you were just like, do this, do that, do this. And I was like, 
Don't, okay, and I had a pen. Are <laughs> you cheating? You were very sweet. Pen and was paper. Very sweet. Pen and paper. Right, you know, nice, like, you yeah. Know, and, 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 you know, like with, any, with anything, you know, we talked about this again before we start recording. It's about detail, isn't it? And the devil is always in the detail. And you keep, and it's consistency with food. You need to do the same thing really well again and again and again. And people start to trust you and you start to trust yourself in answer to your question. Mm. Once I'd been at the Globe for enough times and opened those shutters and there were like people drooling, going, oh my God, when's a chicken coming? I was like, you know, this chicken's probably pretty good. You know, I think this is kind of, this is good. This could work this could work and it's still like I just last week I did a I did the big festival I saw in, you uh, doing that it was good fun it was good fun it's really lovely it's a, it's you know it's kind of funny because it's not a fest you know everybody's like festival this festival that they're not festivals are they let's be frank they're basically giant village fate and once you start calling them a giant village fate I don't have to be angry with them I'm only angry with them when they if call them festival, festivals right. because it's not a festival if you walk in and they give you the Sunday times free <laughs> yeah no, that's exactly not say. a festival you've I'm got to struggle I mean I don't you've got to, you, there has to be some an sort adventure. of battle the adventure can't <laughs> be finding a brioche <laughs> I mean you know and you know exactly and you know people who've seen me at festivals are going to now ring you up going she's full of shit <laughs> because she I, I don't, saw her reading that bloody paper I, d- I don't camp I haven't been camping since I was about 12 so I always have a Winnebago and a caravan but I'm still there whatever that's your treat though isn't it that's the it's big treat, treat in the year I'm you 55 yeah. I'm not getting in a tent it's not happening <laughs> because you wake up hot you wake up in a hot sweaty bag which is disgusting or in a puddle of yeah get know, a Winnebago it's not, it's not happening don't do that shit ever and also just take my advice people just never do it it's pointless you live in England just don't do it so uh, what am I telling you yes yeah, so big the big feast well it was fun it was lovely as was my hotel but well, the reason I brought it up is because I made honey baked chicken right. on Saturday with waffles I did chicken and waffles it's beautiful really good so yeah so it's it's something that remains in my repertoire all the kids grew up on it Makita you know all, all of our children if, like when they're sad or lonely whatever you just bang that one out they're like can I make you some chicken and I make some chicken and they're like happy little Larry's do you know what I mean so, well I was just going to ask there when you're talking about cooking at the globe yeah how your approach to food has changed from back then to, to now well I think essentially Health not much <laughs> We don't, we don't, we don't put it in a Morrison shopping cart and pull it down straight. I, I have suppliers now, but I think the same tenants hold true in that you need to mean it. I think that's the same with any artistic creative endeavor. You need to mean it. You need to really think about why you're doing it, what you're doing and what you want people to get from it. So I think that's what I wanted then. And it's what I want now. I just want to, I want people to be happy. I want them to be uplifted. I want them to be warmed. I want them to feel. In, I, I want them to feel charged up. I want them to feel like not empowered in a sort of um, psychiatric way, but I want them to feel emboldened. That's the word I want. Good word. You know what I mean. Very I want them to good. get up from the meal and think, "Yeah, I can do." You know, I want, I want, I want to feed their spirit, not just their stomach. And that's how I felt then, and it's still the way that I feel now. So it's always about getting as much flavour and really working with spice and seasoning and balance and all of that. And I've still got so much to learn. I mean, I one of the things that doing that rally trip... That's has, what I was going to come to yeah. now, because you just talked about that dish. And yeah. I was going to ask you, you know, what, what inspires you to cook food now? Mm. You've, you know, you've just mentioned the dish before. There are just hundreds of people all over the world making extraordinary stuff, and I want to learn it. You know, there's a... I watched that... You know, did you see that Rick Stein show when he went to Mexico and San Francisco and stuff, and he met that woman who wraps uh, goat shoulders in um, cactus 
and slow cooks it overnight every night and she makes these tacos i was like holy shit the cactus tacos i need to go there and learn from that one i just want to sit at her feet and find out what she does i just feel really like i want to i want a little notebook and i want an open top car and i want to hit the road and go learn and i want to i want cooking adventures all over the world there's so much to learn and so much to bring back and so much to because you don't then slavishly copy that you take that and then you make it your own you bring what you your bit of information your bit of uh, family inspiration to it and then it becomes something new again you know it's it must be very it seems like the travel and and exploring seems really important to you adventure adventure i'm really excitement as well because it's like how can the customer be customer not be excited you know you want them to be excited you you need to be excited yeah yeah and i I just think that also women on tv we're not really allowed to adventure very often it's true most of the time we're either funny like you know two fat ladies ha 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 they're great i love them but it's a there's a joke element to what they do like oh look at them they're posh and they're fat and they're on a motorbike whatever I love them, but it's still that. Or you're sucking your fingers, like the sexual sexual sort of innuendo, Nigella, who I also love, and all of that. Or you're 95 and in a penny, Mary Berry. Do you know what I mean? Who's also lovely, but it's not what I want to do. I don't want to do any of that stuff. It's nothing to do with me. I don't relate to any of those things. I I want to do, like, I'm well, Anthony Bourdain, you know, I want to get in a car. I want to be up a mountain quoting Maya Angelou, drinking something amazing. dream job. Having learned dream. something incredible dish or some incredible cooking technique from some master or or mistress of of their of their craft that's what i'm interested in and and that's what i want to do next i want to get out there and adventure and learn more and it's more on the cards then that's what peak. i'm talking about people i'm putting it on the cards they're my cards Exactly. <laughs> Where do you get these cards from? I, want these cards. Like, I made them, darling. <laughs> after watching that last night, I think you'd be absolutely amazing. It's the I mean, next like, because it is, it? it needs to be done as well. It yeah. Need, I think after, like, Bardin, since obviously he passed away, I've been watching him yeah. all over again. Oh, I'm he's like, great. And I just, you just fall back in love. Like, yeah. The first time I watched it, I think I was in, like, the first year of uni and yeah. I had a mate. I was like, I didn't have that in my life, you know what I mean? When I was a kid, my mate was like, watch this. I got every night. So all the rest of my mates were going yeah. out. We were just sat there watching this. Like, this is mm. unbelievable. And mm. it's that adventure. And put yeah. that in with the love of wine and, and, and also not being scared of, of art. Other cultures. And culture. Other things. And, yeah. and being clever. You know what I mean? I think, you know, I love, that's one of the things that's wonderful, right? And watching someone like Anthony Bourdain is his intellect is part of the of charm. the journey and part of the charm and women we we don't we're not portrayed in that manner on screen you know as intellectuals who are cooking and traveling and adventuring and are brave and 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 who want to learn and hungry and thirsting for knowledge and life and i am that you're person. a rally driver you're i'm a, a rally motherfucking driver. rally driver <laughs> Let's do this. You've got to get that car. You've got to get that car back for it as well. I'm not doing it in that car. <laughs> oh God! Can you imagine? I want aircon. I want a four by four. That's my adventure. Oh, at All least right. as, as long as the lid comes off the car, then yeah. I can deal with it. So yeah, that's um, where I am. I want to. I want to ask you questions about other places that that you like. I mean, like because obviously, no, yeah, because obviously you work. Obviously, you're doing well. You're bloody busy at the moment. You're mm. doing all the TV, you're doing all this. You've got your own place. Mm. What place really does excite you? Like back in the day when you lived in Portobello. I mean, now what 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 excites you now? There's an amazing place you've probably been to it called My Neighbours the Dumplings. Oh yes, holy shit. That place is amazing. I wish I'd opened that place. You know, people like, you know, they always ask us, which is the place you would, my neighbours are dumplings to me. It's lovely. Is 
nigh on perfect. So that's your that's your go to day off. Right place. now, I'm, I've only just discovered them because I kept going there. They're always closed. And I finally got there and they were open. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And they're so lovely in there. They're so passionate about the way they engage with the food. You have to food. write down what you order, isn't it? Is that one? Yeah, you sort yeah, of tick yeah, little like, things. Like it's like a proper dim sum. It's yeah. gorgeous. And they've got sake bar. I love sake. It's my favourite thing to drink. Sake bar downstairs. The other day it was my niece's 16th birthday and we, like 15 of us had a dinner down in the bottom. It's just lovely there. And I love the balance between casual service, really amazing food and brilliant drinks. And it looks fantastic as well. Mm, wow, it does look loud, lovely. It? So that place is incredible incredible i went to a place in newington green called perilla the other day it's really special food the guys in there are cooking incredible food just Such a beautiful pretty place, modern green. modern british i guess but real imagination real heart real flair real love in that food you know there's and there's a tenderness to it which i really really respond to i think that place is brilliant my friend tim um anderson has a place in brixton called nanban and it's a brilliant ramen noodle shop mm. he won master chef god so i keep He won MasterChef a few years ago. He's on Kitchen Cabinet with me. Right, right. Or maybe I'm on with him. I don't know how it works. Uh, We are on it together. And he's brilliant. He's one of my favourite people. And he's a brilliant guy. And the food in Nanban is spectacular. Like, if you want a bowl of noodles, you know, you know, you must have an imaginary bowl of ramen, you know, and you really want that. And you get it. It's always a little bit disappointing. It's never quite right. The broth's never quite punchy enough. There's not oily. quite... Oily. I like the oiliness of it. You need like that the oiliness. Oil. Oh, yeah, yeah. You need to go to Nanban because I to. swear to you. He's great. I, I, the I, first... I'd love to get him on. I'd love oh, he's to get brilliant, him on. Tim. Yeah. I'll hook you up. He's such a great guy. And the first time I went there, I went there and had these noodles. I left there and realised I had noodle broth all over my glasses because it was like lifting up. Steamed up. Kelly had it all, all over us. Sign of a good meal. And is. I went to South Bank for something and then we finished and I was with Makita and she said, oh, what we, what should we do next? And I, she was hungry and I said, let's just go. So we got back on the train and went back. I went twice in one day the first time I ever went there. So that's a testament to itself. So those places are great. You know, I, I, I don't get to go out that much. And often, you know, when I have a day off, people are like, do you want to go out for dinner? I'm like, not really. Do you want to go to a pub? On with a telly. Not, not well, really. Get, telly on. get, Chill get, on. get so. Netflix on immediately and somebody boil me an egg. And I'll just lie on the floor here, happily. Thank you. We're, a lot of the a lot of the chefs we talk to, it's just like, knackered. what do you have at home? Tomato soup bollocks. or a sausage roll? Just bollocks. Just <laughs> yeah. can't be bothered. You know what I mean? I have had a bit more time to myself, so I've been cooking a bit, but, you know. Fantastic. I mean... I've had, great, I've, had, I've, I've had a great time. I've had a great time. Should we, should we start wrapping it up and stuff? I think we're going to do quick fire. Oh, hit me. <laughs> I think you'd be pretty good at this. I've just oh, got yeah. a feeling. Hit me. Jordan, put your readers on. Oh, I've, all right. I think I've got this one now. Um, right. So the top three foods you couldn't live without. Uh, ooh. Seafood? Can I be as broad as that? <laughs> That's terrible. Just food. No, but That's I mean, chef, no, but I mean prawns and yeah, oysters yeah, yeah, and I mussels get, yeah. and you know Fresh. and scallops. I just love see all seafood. I don't think I could live without. And you can have that because you can have the broad. And I do, that, I do yeah. mean all of them, right? All right. So, all right, if it has to be one of no, those no, no, things, no, 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 you go for that. I'm, 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 I'm on scallops quite heavily at the moment, right? Okay. Um, so, see, I think. I think all of the food I on, on really, the land. I yeah, well, yeah, all of the food that grows under the ground. No, I love beetroots. I eat a lot of beetroot, roasted beetroot puree, beetroot puree, and I did drink some today, but it made me ill. But I love it in all shapes and forms, and I just think it's a really versatile, amazing, incredible vegetable. And probably eggs. Eggs, my my favorite. I food. eat I loads. Love- no, of Jordan, eggs. you said Easter eggs. I, I didn't. <laughs> <take you back laughs> 
Easter egg. Number one, Easter egg. I think, I think, I, I mean, I eat loads of different, I, you know, I love a boiled egg, poached egg, I like an egg on top of stuff. Bacon, you can't bake without an egg as well. Oh, yeah, yeah no, I, so could, I could live without meat quite easily. I but don't, not eggs. I love bacon, but I go quite a long, t- long space of time without eating any meat at all. Not because I even think about it that much, but I couldn't live without fish and seafood and, and eggs. I could never be a vegan. No, I think, I love it, I could. Because but I of think... eggs and cheese, but I'm not really meant to eat cheese because it's bad for my eczema, but I love cheese. That's four things. You can have four. You can have four. That's we'll change it for but this no one. More. No more. No more. Four. Calm down, Oliver. <laughs> Favourite food, guilty pleasure. Favourite food, guilty pleasure. I like a hula hoop sandwich. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Is it beef salt and, salt and vinegar? Cheese and onion. What's the matter oh, with you? No. All, all plain. No. Plain, oh, beef plain hula hoops can, I'm a beef, beef guy, mate. Beef hula hoops can do one, frankly. It's just wrong, isn't it? It's just my missus ate too meat much, crisps. too meaty meat, Chris. It's just gross. But the, the best thing is, it's vegetarian. All <laughs> meat, all meat. My crisps brother used to veggies. like roast chicken, Chris, and I was like, "You're disgusting." That's weird. Cheese and onion or plain are the only flavours that really live in my world. I just so I like that. a crisp sandwich, a hula hoop sandwich. I also the thing that I really love that is really guilty that I never have. I did have it a couple of months ago because I was so hungover. Is the pastry off the top of a fruit bentos pie <laughs> soggy? Bit soggy, you know, and it's like crisp yeah. on the top and a bit weird we underneath. Know. We know. That is the shit right there. My, my, my <laughs> first my first ever job outside of Cumbria, my first ever job outside of Cumbria is I was doing this street theatre, right? I was just a juggler. Oh, I know that I was about crap. you told me. I was crap. <laughs> I, I, learned, I learned it and they said to me, this guy kept rang me up, he said, look, I've got a wicked job for you. It's in the um, Star City in Birmingham. You're on the yeah. shopping centre. I turned up and it's for, it's for Freya Bentos. <laughs> and I was like... I, and I, I didn't even know what Frey Bentos was. I was like, oh, it must be a clothing brand or something like that. So I turned up and they give me, because Frey Bentos's logo is a dinosaur, right? And they give me, it? it's like a little, well, anyway, it was for Some that day. Weird so they give me a frigging dinosaur, dinosaur a dinosaur hat and a dinosaur body, like what's it called? Barney. And they said, and I had to stand, it's a true story, stand outside a mini. That had, no, that had Frey Bentos in the mini and you had to guess how many Frey Bentos was oh it for a mini, God. juggling. Frigging Freya Bentos pies and a little That's mini quite hard to, Oh, the little pudding ones. I didn't right. even complete one round. I was just like, no. the, the dinosaur no. dropped it. And then... I think you. I think you can forgive yourself. For that. yeah, that's it. That's my Frey <laughs> Bentos story. You can forgive yourself for not being brilliant at juggling <laughs> Frey Bentos bloody. Try my hardest yeah. in my room for days. Was it the little weird pudding ones? The yeah, round the little ones? steak and kidney puds. If I did the big ones, Christ, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say that's that's like that's, that's talent. That's, yeah. They should have given me the bloody mini. <laughs> right, come on, go on, your goal. Um, biggest kitchen disaster. Biggest kitchen disaster. <laughs> I've told this story before. So Nana and I years ago. Uh, tried to make a whole meal pizza for Ian Jury and it, it literally was like a brick and it was about that thick the bottom of it was literally about that thick and all I bet spongy. he let you know as well didn't he no he ate it all because he was such a gent Ian Jury was a proper gent he was just an amazing man just beautiful man unless you were trying to go out with him and it was a nightmare but <laughs> yeah. as a as a sort of you know mentor amazing person he was just an extraordinary human being and he was just so loving he was really good friends with Nana's dad so he ate the whole thing it was only when we saw him about six months later we went all oh, that pizza and he was like girls that was disgusting what was the topping on it just sludgy shit basically it was awful I don't know what was wrong we were trying to be he like to be nice we to were though, trying to be like all hippie so we made it with like you know 
whole meal flour. What? No, don't, you it's know. Not good, is that it? was like, a great pizza. Yeah, just, you just don't do things like that to pizza and things. Just, they don't need to become healthy. They don't need to become something else. They are what they are. If you can have a pizza, make it properly. Kids. Great answer. Listen to me, Great kids. Answer. It was, and it was foul. It was like, we probably put some salami on it. There was some sludgy tomato and some really shitty half raw onions. Poor man. I know. I know. I know. I mean, I, I feel the shame flowing through my body. So, it's like, that's, that's, a year, that's a year eight pizza in design technology. <laughs> that's a year eight pizza. It really it's exactly that when you get everyone gets them out and none of them are out. <laughs> no. It was so thick. That was the thing. It's like a doorstep oh, pizza. Nice. I know. Poor man. Go on then, man. Right. Top three bits of kit in your kitchen that you can't live without. I like my food processor. Like because many I make a I make a herb oil and I make um chili um hot sauce basically, and without my food process that would <laughs> would still be in there chopping up onions right now. So and I make them all every, every, at the beginning of every week and I have them in my fridge because it's really it's a brilliant time saving trick thing. Mm. So I make a herb oil. I put it's like spring onions, garlic, chives, parsley, and um and uh, spring onions, spring onions, chives garlic, flat leaf parsley and cold pressed rapeseed oil. Blitz it all up and I have it in a jar. And then when you're knackered and you come home but you still want something good, you can put a bit of fish in a pan or steak or whatever, whack that on top and it oh, just turns it into yeah. something amazing. Put it in eggs. You can just put it on toast with some sea salt. It's just like a little thing that brings things to life. And you can add capers itself. You can do all sorts of things to it. So that it, you know, I'm but it's a brilliant... not just the answers, but an actual recipe. It's a, yeah, so it's and it's a really brilliant starting thing. And then I also have um, chilies, onions, garlic and oil in another jar in the fridge because then that gives you another base. Because sometimes when you can't be bothered to cook, it's not because you can't be bothered to cook, it's because you can't be bothered to prep. Yeah, it's the time. So if you've done the little prep stuff and you've got two jars of it, then you go, you know what? I will put that little bit of dal on because all you've got to do is do that and then get the lentils in, whack the stock in and Just go and it's done. Just a bit of pasta, done. isn't it? Just yes. a bit of pasta with yes. some decent oil and yes. some parmesan. You're like, yes. that's probably better than yes. <laughs> a two-hour so, so, so my food processor, I absolutely love. What else do I really live stand by in the kitchen? I'm not very gadgety, actually. Um, I guess my really good uh, sieve... My chinois thing that I love that because I can get really smooth, beautiful sauces and, and it just gives me a really great end result. And, uh, you can do that through muslin and, and J cloth or whatever mm. you want to use, gusset. but you can't go gusset. gusset. Back to gusset good again, darling. Uh, but you get good callback, good comedy callback there. Thanks. You can't push it through in the same way. So I, you know, I, I really love that. And then I got last year, my um, business partner bought me a dehydrator. I'll, de- I'll dehydrate anything. You lot is, get out just, of here quite fast. Seriously. Is it literally like get your money's worth? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. We'll yeah de- like, dehydrate. What's that? What's that? Get it in there. Get it in there right now. Get in there right That's now. Brilliant. I made radish paper. Because we make roasted radishes, we make roasted radish oil, blit, you roast the radishes, blitz it up, pass it through the thing, and then you're left with this pink pulp. I was like, that stuff's amazing, and it's just pure radish. So we mix a little bit of cornflour and spread it on these um, like sheets, right. and then put that into the dehydrator, and then peeled it off. And it's this edible, like like rice paper, yeah, but made from radishes. Bloody amazing. There you go. So there you go, three quite long answers in your quick fire round. <laughs> Long, long fire. Yeah, yeah, long, long fire. fire. Extended me. fire. Always going to be. If you had to eat the same meal every day for yeah. the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, seafood pariada, which is just loads of really great fresh seafood grilled, like charred. Again, we're back to the octopus. Just charred, Memories, grilled seafood, lemon, and like a bit of aioli. You really like simple, don't you? Yeah, I love, and yeah, I love simple food that tastes of itself. I quite like, I like 
other, you know, fancy schmancy when I'm in the mood. But the things that I crave and the things that I want for myself are at home are, are different to the things that I want when I go out. So if I, if I, and that was, that was be, that would be my, you know, people always ask me my death row meal. That is it with that Catalonian, um, uh, spinach, pressed spinach with, uh, pine nuts and raised golden sultanas. Oh, yeah, that mm. with the seafood. We've got a week before these bloody podcasts, right? Because every time we do them, I'm Get going really out. Get really hungry. <laughs> you just hear that the belly in yeah. the background going. That's, oh. that's my, that's my, like, yes, please. That's gorgeous. Right, final one of the quick fire. Sorry, extended fire. Uh, who would be your ideal dinner date, dead or alive? What would you eat, and where would you take them? Uh, it would be my brother who passed away because I just love to see my brother again, and uh, he was a big pie man loved a pie so i would take him to the holborn dining rooms have you been there yeah so many people have told me holy, about this place including him holy we need shit to get, we need to get in there pie. it's literally it was like walking into my childhood fantasy like i used to read loads of like you know billy bunter and bino and, yeah, and yeah. pg woodhouse when i was a kid i loved all those books and they were always having feasts and there was always pies involved and it was like fantasy pies, yeah, like and, the then, pies. and the pies you yeah exactly and the pies you get were never quite you know Fred Reynolds doesn't really do that. <laughs> and then I went to Holborn Dynamics for the first time about six weeks ago. And my God, they literally blew my mind. And I had a steak and kidney, which was making my mouth water thinking about it. Steak and kidney pudding. Have you seen what their steak and kidney pudding looks like? Oh, Jordan? I can't bloody wait. You need to get in there now. It's beautiful. It comes in gravy. It's got like a little indented bit in the top and they pour gravy in that as well. Mm. And it's light and fluffy. And the, Suet? Yeah, yeah. But oh, it's light, God. as light as air. Mm. But, but my brother would literally lose his shit in there and that boy could eat. <laughs> so I would, it would be my brother and I would take him to Holborn Dining Rooms and I would let him have pie. Oh, as much pie wonderful. as he wants in well, the listen, pie room. That was the most fun I've had in a long time. <laughs> Absolutely. That was thank amazing. you so much. And also, thank you so much for letting us do it in your lovely garden. Oh, you're and, really welcome. Well, lucky I'm going to go home and watch you on telly now. <laughs> oh, God. Seriously, you get sick of me at some point. No, really, I'm all right yeah. for now. But um, thank you very much, Andy. And you're we'll, um, welcome. See it's you lovely soon. to have you, boys. Marvelous. Thank you. Thank you. Gorgeous. Nice one, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Yes Chef. Thanks to Andy. I was absolutely great, Craig. I do think we should record every podcast in a back garden from now on. I think if she's there and she's laughing like that, it's just, it's infectious. It was really, really cool. I mean, she's such a cool woman. And also, like like you said before, the, about getting schooled. She taught me a lot. I just taught you everything. There we go. We'll see you all next week. Tell your mates, tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your pals. Get involved and spread the yes chef word until next time see you soon imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.